The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Absolute sports betting degeneracy. And we are rocking and rolling, Rich. What's going on? Hey, Arch. How's it going, man? Just getting ready for a honeydew weekend, some painting, some around the house, planting flowers, that sort of stuff, trying to beautify the house for the summer, for the three great months of weather we get in Chicago before all those plants die and the weather turns sour again. When is it ever over, Rich? That's all you ever do is paint this, saw that, hammer this. You have a home, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. It's kind of like a, a circle. So where you start working, you work your way around. And then by the time you think you're done with everything, you're right back to where you started from and you're repainting the bedroom again. Ugh, it's just never ending. It's a never ending cycle. Then we uh, die and then your kids or your, your, somebody inherits it and that's it. It's their problem now. Well, then they sell it and go on the vacation you never took because you were investing in the house. Yeah. Got to love kids, man. Yes, you got to love them. <laughs> oh, speaking of investments, how you doing? I know the stock market's been a little lately. Yeah, actually, uh, it, you know, I wrote in a newsletter that I put together that the indexes were getting a little bit ahead of themselves. There was a... Um, there's a measurement measuring stick called relative strength mm -hmm. and they have guardrails at the top and the bottom just so rule of thumb when it hits 70 it's usually a sign of being overbought and when it hits 30 it's a sign of being oversold and and i'd say 90 95 percent of the time the markets bounce around between 30 and 70 and it, the the nasdaq the dow and the uh, s p all of them were like in the mid 70 reading and so i advise folks that you know odds are selling is coming i just didn't realize it was going to come two or three days later in the amount it came you're too accurate that's your problem rich you're you're, you're too precise you know what's actually kind of crazy is i went back and read some of the stuff that i wrote and on march 24th so the market bottomed on march 23rd and on March 24th, I wrote, was that was a Monday. And that was when we were having those days where everything just kind of like cascaded. So once things started selling, it just waterfalled. And that Monday on the 24th or somewhere around there, that the, the 23rd was a Monday. 
I think. Uh, and I wrote how the, the market sold off and then rebounded and sold off and then rebounded again. And, and that was a change from the previous type of um, sell-offs that we'd get where once the selling started, it was just, you know, timber, get out of the way. And I said, you know what, it, it may just be a gut feeling, maybe it's wishful thinking, but certainly there was a change in tone. I would expect that you might see the market start to lift soon. And that was the, the, the 23rd was the absolute bottom. So I almost called it to the day. And I, and I think to myself, you know, that's, that's really crazy because there's guys running around that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, have really nice homes in the Hamptons. They got a nice home in, you know, in Aspen so they can go skiing in the, in the winter, mm-hmm. uh, you know, nice summer home, someplace where the climate's 75 and, you know, relative low humidity. And, 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 you know, and I'm in my basement. Yeah. You're hanging out with me. You've made a lot of bad life decisions, Rich. Yes, I have. This isn't one of them. Or maybe it is. I don't know. We'll find out. Oh, man. Or maybe it's my errant comments from now and then that get me in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. No no comment there. I don't want to get in trouble with you. <laughs> no. Not at all. All right. So... What do we got on tap today? What are we looking at, horse-wise? Well, it's kind of a light weekend of stakes racing because next week is the uh, is the Belmont Stakes or the start of what I call the the Twisted Triple Crown because the order uh, got mixed up thanks to COVID. Normally, the Belmont Stakes is the last race, but now it's the first race. So, um, as a result, uh, this weekend you have a little bit of a lull. I think there's five stakes races with prize pools of a hundred thousand dollars or more. Three in the U.S. And then two in uh, Toronto at Woodbine. I, I'll focus on the three here in the U.S. At Belmont, we have uh, race nine, which is the Ogden Fip Stakes. And then at Churchill Downs, race 11 is the Louisville Stakes. And then at Santa Anita, race six is the uh, superhero race, the Thor's Echo Handicap. So those are the three that we're looking at. I think the the, the one at Belmont and the one at um, – in uh in santa anita kind of skinny field so there's really going to probably be not much in terms of value there mm-hmm. and then the race at churchill the louisville stakes it's uh i think 12 horses running yeah. a mile and a half on turf so those long races like that are just kind of like you know sometimes they're sort of like the lotto and that you have all of these horses bunched up like the like the uh ping pong balls in the, in the blower there. And then at the end, they just kind of like pop out and, and no, sometimes without any seeming rhyme or reason, they just kind of pop out. So it offers horse players uh, a, a good opportunity in those types of races to sometimes find good tickets, but th- there definitely can be hair pulling. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Where do you, where do you want to start? Well, let's start at, uh, we'll, we'll start from the east and move our way west. So we'll start at Belmont Park. Okay. Race nine. It's the uh, Ogden Fip Stakes. It's a grade one race with a purse of $300,000 for fillies and mares. Ogden Phipps, that does sound, that sounds like an elite rich person right there. I mean, they have a race named after you probably have to be, right? Right. That doesn't sound like a guy who has to paint his own deck, Rich. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it at all. And you won't see the Rich Beaglemeyer handicap anytime soon, probably because people can't pronounce my last name. Oh, okay. That's yeah, what's holding you back. That's the, that's it. I know. They should have changed it to just Meyer when they got off the boat, right? Yeah, they, they should have. Yeah, it would have been a lot easier. And I would have been a lot more anonymous because with my name, believe me, if people are looking for me, they find me. 
though they mo- may mostly misspell it, which kind of gives me a little bit of uh, a ability to hide. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a mile and a 16th on the main track. And when you look at um, that particular distance and, and, and surface, it really has a pretty high um, speed bias. I think that, uh, well, this, no, no, it doesn't really have it. It's wrong race. I'm looking at the, the wrong one. So I apologize for that. Um, it doesn't really have a speed bias. So it's going to be one of those where the best horse wins. And looking at it, I, I, I think I kind of have two horses. I think I have the best chance of winning. One is the favorite and that's Ollie's candy. And you know, I, let me go back. Let me rewind. Last year during the fall meet, there was a pretty big speed bias there. And now they're just populating the uh, the current meet numbers. Last year, there was a, at this in the fall meet, 85% or 23, I think, of 27 winners ran close to the front. So okay. speed horses should play pretty well here. And Ollie's Candy is one of the speed horses I think has the best chance to win in terms of his running style, he's the five horse. He's rated eight to five in terms of his morning line odds. He's run at the distance four times. He has a pair of wins, a second and a third. So his running style fits. Um, he's coming out of an asshole, um, the apple. Whoa, <laughs> whoa. It's a family yeah. show here, Rich. God damn it. Well, I was putting together two words, apple blossom, and I put an asshole. So it's a little bit of mind dyslexia. <laughs> But he's been training pretty well, and uh, when he's he, when he's in the greatest stakes uh, race, John Sadler, the trainer, he wins it about twenty percent. So I think his style fits the kind of horse that's going to run a good race at a mile and a sixteenth on the Belmont um, dirt. So I kind of have him as my one of my co favorites to win the race. Okay. The the other horse I think that has a good shot at it is the six horse is Golden Award. He's another horse so that's usually close to the front. So uh, he and uh, Ollie's Candy are probably going to sit right behind the full horse, Blamed, who is the uh, speed horse in the field. And Blamed can take this race if they get pretty good, if, if she's able to get slow fractions and doesn't get a whole lot of pressure from Ollie's Candy and Golden Award. But I don't think Blamed is as good a horse. She's stepping up big time in class where the Ollie's Candy and Golden Award have run at this level before. Mm-hmm. So I think those two horses, Ollie's Candy, Golden Award, are going to be best positioned in a short field where the pace might not be that fast. So some of the closers will have a more difficult time. So I expect you're going to see Blame go out to the lead, Ollie's Candy and Golden Award sitting right off of uh, Blame's tail. And then She's a Julie probably will be running um, fourth um, with Point of Honor and Pink Sands holding up the back end point of honor is the second favorite at two to one, but this is a horse that comes from way off the pace usually and hasn't really been, um, hasn't really been able to close the deal lately, always close at the end, but not quite a winner. So it hasn't won in five races. She hasn't won in five races and she won her uh, first two races and then only won one of the next six mm. so i think as she stepped up in company she's had a more difficult time finding her way to the uh, finish circle for uh, to the finish line first to the winner circle so i'd expect that point of honor will make a pretty strong run at the end but i just don't know that it'll be enough for the closing style to get to the line first and then pink sands the one horse does get the ride the 
the rail, which wins at 23%, but another closer. But I just don't think that the pace is going to set up well for Pink Sands or Point of Honor, and it will set up really well for Ollie's Candy and Golden Award. So the way I see it, uh, five, six in either order. So Ollie's Candy, Golden Award as your one of your winners with uh, Golden Award, Point of Honor, and Pink Sands, would, uh, probably one of those uh, will finish second. So I have an exact of five six with five six one two. You might throw the four in there just in case the four gets out to the lead. It has a you know gets past late because the pace isn't that fast. Okay, okay, there we go. Got it in. All right, so then we'll kind of drive a little bit the west since you can't fly anymore. I was <laughs> listening to people talking about flying and how they're going to. Um, like the the procedures people are going to have to go through to go on airplanes now i think they're just going to pretty much kill that business for the foreseeable future anyway it's pretty bad i didn't see any of this yeah they're, they're going to test you and if you have any kind of fever and all sorts of things where you might not be able to get on the plane and some of them might be just you know you can you might have just jogged across the thing because you're late for your flight or right, right. maybe you got a little mild uh little mild temperature because you have uh, allergies or something like that or because you have to deal with the tsa your, your blood pressure is through the roof yeah because they're t- they're tapping you down <laughs> yeah yeah okay so churchill downs race 11 the tsa this is the hopper uh, this, is- this is the lottery hopper you described yeah this is a tough race because it's a mile and a half on turf so these are these races kind of remind me, like I said, of, um, you know, of the lottery where they just have a pack of horses and then at the end they pop out. So I've seen these races, these mile and a half races play out either one of two ways. One is you get a horse that just runs out to this amazing lead and all the other horses try to catch it. And then the other way is, like I mentioned, is everybody just runs, like they jog in a pack, you know, like some overweight people running around the track trying to lose weight in January. And then one decides to get a little bold to show the others how much, uh, you know, how much better shape he's in or she's in. And they really run hard to make the others chase them. So that's how these races kind of uh, play out to me. So it's a difficult race to handicap when you get these longer distances which is a good and a bad thing. One, it's bad because sometimes you can be made to look a fool because none of your horses hit it. And it's good because if you do hit it, a lot of times there's some long shots in there. So you have a chance to cash a nice ticket. So okay. we're going to try for option B <laughs> and uh, try to avoid looking like a fool. I'll just let my talking do that for me. Yeah. Yeah. We, we're foolish here on, on a daily basis on this podcast. So <laughs> yes, I'm foolish at home too. And it gets me in trouble a lot. <laughs> So the the again we, we the for some reason I'm into numerology this week because again I like the five six combination oh. as the at the top of the ticket. So five is Arc Law. In uh, this horse is a closer as well, but he's run the he's run the best speed figures by far in this group. He's run uh, in three in two of his last three races. He ran the the top speed figure including the last race where he had the, the, the number one uh, speed figure, which again is roughly the same as betting on the favorite. So usually cashes at about 30%. And then the one where he didn't run the best speed figure, he ran a tie for the second best speed, speed figure. So what that tells me is, you know, you're going to get a really solid effort from the horse. Uh, and because of that, you have to include him in the, in your, in your, 
picks to potentially win because as I mentioned, these races can kind of go in any different direction. So if I can get some consistency from a horse mm-hmm. where I know I'm going to get a good performance, he's running a mile and a half, seven times. He's got two wins and two seconds, nothing else. So 50, 50 chance he finishes um, either first or second, which is kind of where you're hoping for looking at the form. Um, he'll be closing hard at the end. If it's one of those races where they run in a pack and he doesn't have to chase anything down, then he's probably going to have one of the strongest closing kicks, which means that sprint to the finish line, that one guy that breaks from the pack to show everybody how much better off shape he's in, you know, he'll be that horse um, and have probably the best shot of getting to the finish line first. And the other scenario is the speed scenario where the horse gets out to the lead and all the other horses try to run him down. And that's the sixth horse, Tis a Slam. You're going to know pretty much right away if you're, if he's got a shot to win or not. So when he wins, he's up on the lead. So on Saturday, when they leave the gate, if Tis a Slam gets out to the lead and have the half-mile marker, and you'll know when they're close to the half-mile marker because they put the little times in the corners, it'll be 40-something, like 48, 47, 49 seconds. That's the half-mile marker. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the first time you see. If he's on the lead – at the at after a half mile, he's going to be tough to chase down. Yeah, the last three times he's had the lead after the half mile marker, he's won. Wow. So, okay. Yeah, so you get him if he gets out in front, he's able to pull up to a lead, and he's seven to two, so he's not. Uh, you know, those are pretty decent odds. Um, if the odds stay there, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes down because he is like the speed candidate in the field. Uh, he's run at the distance nine times, and he's all or nothing. So he gets to, to the lead, and like he has a few times where he was one four out of nine at the distance and no, not a second or third place in there. So that's going to be the, uh, you know, you're going to be sitting there. You're going to have the first two numbers in the pick three, and you're going to be waiting for him to pop out. And if he runs out to the lead right away, you know, you, you know he's got a pretty good chance to, to take it from the beginning to the end. And he's put some good workouts in, so that tells me that he's probably sharp and ready to go. So I would expect in the field that's not loaded with speed, Tizis Flam will get a chance to get to the lead, run a pace that he wants to run, and could run away from the field. I like uh, if, it. Yeah. So, and at 7-2, that's not bad. And now we're going to start to break into a little bit of a um, – our third pick is, is a, is a uh, little bit of a long shot. Well, he's a long shot. Number four, he's no lemon. Let's hope not. No, let's hope not. For indeed, 15-1. to one. And this is a horse that's been uh, finished in the money in one, two, three, four, five, six straight races. Mm-hmm. And I would expect that you're going to see him run a good race because the first time he ran a mile and a half, he finished second last time out, but he was disqualified in the first. So he might have won. It's the horse that beat him, cut him off or you know, committed some kind of infraction that caused him to be uh, disqualified. And so, and then he ran a mile and three eighths. So his best races have come when he stretched out. So prior to running more than a mile, the best finish he had was third. Once he started running a mile and three eighths or more, he's been first, third, second, first, second. Oh wow! And that second has been uh, moved into a DQ to a first. So these longer races seem to be uh, to he's no lemons favor. So at fifteen to one. That track record at longer races, one for one at the distance, although it was a disqualification in the first place, 
that tells me that at 15 to one, that's a good live long shot. Yeah, no doubt. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. So let's now, hope he, so he's no lemon. Okay. I gotcha. I got you in. He's number four. Okay. Number four, 15 to one. Uh, our fourth pick is kind of a fade of a, one of those, I think of the second favorite to 12 horse. And that's admission office. Oh, you've been dealing with that. Yeah. When my daughter for college, yeah, she mm -hmm. finally picked where she's going to go to school. So that's fun. <laughs> if she, uh, you know, it's just more money out the window, right? So, so out the window. So the children can be taught uh, how horrible their parents are. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've seen any of these videos of these kids screaming about their parents recently, but it's it's a, it's amazing to me. Nonetheless, uh, admission office is the, is making the second start um, after a layoff, and typically this horse uh, does either runs a similar race or improves slightly in race number two. But the reason I'm fading him is because he hasn't won in his, in, in in almost a, in more than a year. Finishes second, finishes fourth, finishes third, just enough to make you feel good at the end, but kind of just lets you down. Mm, yeah, I've had girlfriends like that. Indeed, haven't we all? And friends, and and bosses, and all sorts of things, and people <laughs> who pick horses. <laughs> Not here. And, Not here. And Rich. Football games and and all of the above. Oh, is that a shot at me? No, it's a shot at me. I've, I've seen your football picks, man. You, you, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire in the steroid age. That, that's it. Yeah. I take a lot of drugs and then I make my picks. <laughs> well, that works pretty well. That's how most musicians make their music, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, I mean, uh, you, sometimes, man, you got to get into that artistic flow. There it is. So I, I think that, you know, admission office to 12 horse is a favorite that people can fade. Um, but you have to include in your picks because he will be coming on strong at the end and likely help uh, fill out an exact or a trifecta. And then our alternative picks are the two horse Sky Promise. It's another long shot horse. I think he's uh, 20 to one. And the reason I like this horse is he's making his second start off um, a break as well. But he's another one that comes on late at the end. And when you look at his numbers, they're no different than like the 12 horse. So mm -hmm. of the closing horses, it's got a shot. He's run on um, fast track 13 times, nine of the 13 times he's finished first or second. So I think it's a short a, a horse that has a pretty good shot at winning, and the trainer um, Robert Diodoro Roberto R Roberto Tino Diodoro he wins these graded stake races. He doesn't enter many horses into this level, but when he does, they win at twenty eight percent. So oh wow, it's a pretty good um, win win rate. So he's that tells me that the trainer is good at identifying his talent and placing it correctly. And, and that's a big deal because, I, you know, some trainers, I think, just maybe have wishful thinking for their horses and sometimes run them at levels they know they, they really don't have a chance to compete at, mm -hmm. which isn't fair to the owner, which isn't fair to the jockey, which isn't fair to the, you know, to the, to the horse player. And finally, the last um, of our picks is a, a Preciado, which is the three horse at 12 to 1. Now, he ran a really strong speed figure the last time out. He's raced at a mile and a half twice with a with a second and a third. So it's another one that probably will be more like in the front third pack. 
And if the race doesn't have a, a so in the tis a slam scenario where the horse gets out to the lead and runs away from everybody and, 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 and all the others are kind of like just jogging along. Appreciato will probably be close to the front of that group and then have a really good strong kick too, which would give him a shot to, uh, you know, to come in, maybe even win. Okay. So how are we going to break this down? A simple, simple box play or how do you want to do it? Well, that's what I recommended um, to the yeah. guaranteed tip sheet users is an exacta box with the four, five, six, and 12. So arc law, tis a slam, he's no lemon and admission office. If you kind of wanted to include some of those other long shots in there, the two and the three, then I would probably put the ticket together um, five, six, so arc law, tis slam on top, and then all of the six horses to come in second in an exacta. On a trifecta, I would probably um, go Arc Law, Tis a Slam, and He's No Lemon, just in case the long shot wins in the first position. The top four in the second position, so four, uh, five, six, and 12. And then, you know, as many as all six of them in the third position, uh, depending upon, you know, how much you want to allocate to the race. Okay. Okay. Got it. So we don't have such a problem at Santa Anita. No. Because there's only five horses in the Thor's Echo Handicap. This is race six. Race six, correct. So that's six furlongs on the main track there. And um, I think you basically have two horses here that have a chance to win. Uh, you have the favorite. Well, I think there's just three horses in this race out of the five that I would even consider. So it's going to be pretty light in terms of uh, betting opportunity to make money. The favorite is six to five is um, Desert Law, the one horse. Now, he hasn't run in almost a year. So he hasn't run since July 27th of 2019. And that type of a long break is somewhat scary to me. Uh, so I think it's a favorite that you can absolutely fade, although he is dropping from a grade one race. The last time he did run the Bing Crosby stakes um, at – Del Mar racetrack. His workouts are pretty good, but I, I wouldn't say that they, they they absolutely stand out to me. And then I look back at his track record of the first time he's come off of a rest, and and none of the rests were anywhere near as long as the time he spent in the barn mm -hmm. this time around. And he finished sixth mm. and finished fourth. So he's got a problem with rust, and he's been off for a year. Is right. that how we interpret that? That's exactly how you interpret that. It's kind of like when you live in the north and you're stuck inside and you play golf the first time you go to the range, it's as if though you never golfed before. That's every time I touch a club, that's me. <laughs> Depends on what you're swinging it for, I guess. Right? <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. You know, now we might have to use them as uh, defensive tools means <laughs> to keep the masses out of the house. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. But the um, he does, like you say, rusty off the bench and typically he shows a lot more in the second race. So, you know, I'd keep an eye on desert law in case he doesn't perform well this time. And maybe next time out runs at a higher level, which is what I think the, the trainer will likely do. And uh, Carla Gaines is the trainer. And when horses, uh, her horses, she have 46 of them um, and that have been away for more than 90 days and only 4% of them have won. So that's not really her best angle. I think this is really more a tune-up race for Desert Law for the next time out where you'll probably run for more money. Mm -hmm. But if he does come off the bench ready to go, 
it's a short field. He's got four wins and three seconds and nine races at six furlongs. You can't ignore him in a, if this was like the Churchill field with 13 or 12 horses, I would probably have just flat out tossed him. And if he beats me, he beats me at six to five, but in a five horse field, you just can't ignore him. Okay. Okay. Um, the horse I think that's probably going to win is the, on the other end of the starting gate, the number five horse, Principe Carlo. And this is a horse that's run exceptionally well at Santa Anita. She, he, uh, he's raced there seven times, three wins, and three seconds. The one time he missed, he just finished sixth by uh, 12 lengths out of six horse field. <laughs> it, you know, some days horses have bad days, right? They're yeah. animals. You know, like my dog sometimes is, you know, I, I have to ask her once to do a trick. And sometimes I have to ask her a thousand times with a milk bone to do a trick. So <laughs> horses and animals can be a bit unpredictable. But I think with that track record, uh, Principe Carlos tends to be towards the front of the pack early on in the race. She'll probably he'll probably run first, second um, out of the box, and then um, from there look to turn the Jets on. And he's won three of his last four races with a second by a head. Just got nosed out at the end from being on a four race win streak. So I wouldn't be at all surprised at three to one. Um, Principe Carlo gets close to the lead out of the gate, and then with his um, Sandy Anita track record, add to the you know the, the three wins and three seconds and seven races. I would expect it to be maybe three, three, uh, four wins in three seconds, or <clears throat> three wins in four seconds and in eight Santa Anita races when it's over. Okay. And then the other horse that I think has a crack at this is the two horse Tiger Dad. He's making his second start off a layoff, which, uh, again, Carla Gaines is the trainer here. She wins that that level instead of 5%, uh, 4%, at 23%. It's actually oh. her best angle. And this horse says at four Santa Anita races, at first uh, two seconds and a, and a third, mm -hmm. at six furlongs, three tries, a win and a second. And this horse should, um, in its second race, it, it should improve because the previous two times it it, it, it made its second start following uh, some time on the sidelines. It showed more than it did in the first race. So last time out, Tiger Dad was the favorite, finished second by uh, by three lengths, kind of really gave up the lead at the end in a six furlong race. Um, but again, uh, beaten favorite, which uh, Carla Gaines wins at 21%, should be again close to the front, maybe if on the lead um, with – Principe Carlo uh, pulling the cart around the track. I don't like the fact that he's faded in the last two races, failed as the favorite last time, but he clearly looks like the, at worst, the, the second or third best horse in the field. So the way I'm going to play this is I'm going to fade the favorite desert law. And I'm going to do perhaps an exacta with Prince, Prince, yeah, Principe Carlo on top by itself maybe match it up with Tiger Dad and then put um, Principe Carlo, Tiger Dad, and Desert Law in the second spot and then just maybe box those three horses for a trifecta. Mm, okay. Okay. Gotcha. So that's it. So now we're getting prepared. Next weekend is going to be a real big weekend for horse racing. Like I said, it's the uh, start of the Twisted twist, <laughs> twisted Tongue Twister Triple Crown. <laughs> the, yeah. Uh, 
and, and uh, so the Belmont Stakes, uh, big racing weekend. So there'll be a lot of stakes races going into. Um, so there'll be some on Friday. There'll be some on Saturday. There'll be some on Sunday. So I'd expect, uh, you know, a lot of money to be bet next weekend. If, if, if you're thinking about betting horses and you haven't done it yet and you just like the entertainment of the show, I'll tell you that there's something that's really important when you bet horses. And I think we talked about this very early on. It's called uh, the money pools. Yeah. So, so the way mutual um, pool wagering goes is that we all bet. So we all put our money in the in, in the in a in the buckets. So a win race would be a bucket. So you're betting on a horse to win. An exact is another bucket. So all the exacted bets get put in the exacted bucket. All the trifecta bets get put in the trifecta bucket. And how much money goes into those buckets is then the the track takes its cut in taxes first. So let's just say for hypothetical reasons that it's ten percent. So a million dollars goes in the bucket. The track takes out its 10%. You have $900,000 left. Now, the winning tickets split that Mm $900,000. So if one person hits it, they get the $900,000. If 900,000 people hit it, each person would get a dollar. Yeah. That's how mutual pool betting goes. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of times you can go to these smaller tracks or on weekends where there's not as much or a big races and the pools aren't as big. So you can, and I've actually had this happen to me before where I, I hit a pick four where you had to have the winner in four races in a row. Yes. And I had some long shots on top of the ticket and you would expect to get a big payout. Well, you can have four straight hundred to one odd horses. And if the pool is only 400 bucks, well, guess how much you're going to win? There you go. $400. There you go. So the great thing about weekends like next weekend with the Belmont Stakes is that it attracts a lot more casual fans and and betters. Next weekend's pools are going to be really big. So if you're going to bet, you're going to want to make sure that you bet like on the Kentucky Derby weekend, a Belmont Stakes weekend, the Preakness weekend, the the, uh, Breeders' Cup weekends, Mm -hmm. because if you hit a big ticket, you're going to get a, a big, big, big payout yeah. and usually larger than you do in most. So uh, I would definitely make sure everybody starts bankrolling some money for next weekend. Hopefully we can help you build that bankroll with the three races this weekend and get you guys ready to uh, cash some real fat tickets next weekend. I like it. I like it. Oddly optimistic for you. So <laughs> I'm always optimistic about horse racing and, and, and you know, any opportunity to take money and invest it. There you go. Let's do it. Indeed. Anything else we need to know here? You know, one small stock I found, you know, because we we tend to talk about stocks sometimes. Mm -hmm. And while the market, you know, it got a little bit ahead of itself, I'm happy to see it's rebounding today. But, you know, keep an eye on yesterday's lows. If if the market were to to violate those lows, it it could be that we're in for some a little bit longer term profit taking. I don't know that we'll go back as low as we were before, but I certainly would keenly watch um, where that goes in terms of the um, the market, the overall markets. If it manages to stay above that, then that's your new baseline that you want to kind of build off of. So uh, overall market, I'm a little bit, um, I'm a little bit worried about it right now in terms of people getting in there. Um, because yesterday sell-off looks a whole lot like it did in the, in the, in the beginning part of the COVID, which just crashed through all sorts of um, support levels and broke all sorts of trend lines. Mm-hmm. 
I'd be a little bit not nervous at the moment, but a little bit longer term. I, as you know, we talk a little bit, I, I track insider buying and I like to look for insiders that, so insiders are folks that are, you know, the CEO of a company, the CFO of a company, or they own more than 10% of the stock. Yeah. So connected and they understand the well, you know, the health and the well-being of their company probably better than anybody else. And, and I look for folks that have a history of timing it correctly. And I found this one little small stock. It's um, RCM Technologies. RCMT is the uh, is the symbol. It's it's a thinly traded stock. Doesn't trade a lot of volume on any given day. But their chief financial officer, uh, Treasury and Secretary, his name is Keith Miller. Guy gets paid about four hundred thousand dollars a year, so he makes a good living. But he put one hundred and eighty thousand of that into his own stock, so Ooh. about half of his salary, which to me is a statement. So I look back and uh, to see if he had ever bought before. Well, he did buy before, and he bought in uh, late 2008 when the stock traded at like a you know, damn near 20-year low. And it went from, at that time, about $0.90 cents to the equivalent of $5 in about two years. Oh, wow. That's a good turnaround, huh? That's a hell of a turnaround. And he just went back into the market for the first time since late 2008 and picked up his stock. So- that catches my eye, right? So you got an insider with a, a track record of, and, and that was the only other time he bought. So, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, it's not like he's a habitual buyer. It seems like he's a buyer that's interested in doing one thing, making money from his company stock. So I looked at the, what Wall Street thinks is going to be the, um, you know, what the company's going to do in terms of earnings and sales next year. Mm -hmm. So they think the company's going to earn 33 cents per share. Now, in the last five years, their average PE is something like 16. So if you take that 16 and you multiply it by um, 33 cents, you come up with roughly a $5, let's think it's $5.60. And if you take their five-year low PE and multiply it by 36, so the absolute like stuff's hitting the fan, you know, the, the folks are shredding stuff in the office because the auditors are going to come in. They don't want to go to jail. Yeah. That sort of thing, you know, five about, so that P was around five. So if they make their 33 cents, even if they trade at their five-year low PE, the stock would trade at something like $1.72. Oh, wow. Okay. And right now, uh, I don't have it open in front of me, but I think it's like a, around $1.72. Mm. So I think there's, if you know, it's $1.65, it's actually below $1.72. So I think if they, if they were to hit their earnings in 2021 traded their average PE. I mean, I, I, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out how the stock um, would be much lower than where it is. Oh boy. I like it. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's again, doesn't do a lot of volume, so it's going to be subject to some pretty wild swings, but I think if you look at the, you know, their earnings and then I looked at what their sales projections too. And if they trade at the average, price to sales ratio and I'm getting into the weeds and all these kind of this mm -hmm. jargon, but companies have like, this is some of the ways people value companies. And I don't like to, I personally, I like to value them against their, their own history and not the history of some non-related company or some other company in their business that might be doing things a little bit differently. I, I do look at how they compare and where they rank in their industry, but I, I like to look more at their own history because it, I think it gives you a better sense of what's possible. So even under that measurement, you know, the if it trades at its average price to sales ratio and they hit the revenue targets for next year, it's it prices out of five bucks, which again, 
you know, I may not hit five bucks, but I'm having a hard time trying to find a, a, a scenario where a year from now, if they hit their numbers, now obviously if they miss their numbers and business goes sour, you know, that's all off the table. <laughs> yeah. But if they if they hit their targets, I'm having a hard time finding a way that this stock is not considerably higher in, in, in the next 12 to 18 months. I like it. I like that a lot. And it's cheap. So you can, you know, buy a thousand shares and really not be out there. I always tell folks when they when, when you're looking at stocks that are like under two dollars, it's like an option that doesn't expire. So it's kind of like money you can throw at it, put it in a shoebox and forget about it and look back at it every you know, every three months or something like that and see where it is because it's a high risk money. But um, you know, it, it, options expire. This won't expire. So if it takes five years to get there, then it takes five years to get there. Right. Okay, cool. Good to know. Is that it for it? Is that all That's the knowledge? It. Is that it? Have we drained you dry? Is there anything else? Yes, I am parched now. I have to down some Diet Mountain Dew because I'm I'm, I'm going to get down to uh, to fighting weight. One of my, uh, you know, I told my kids they laugh at me, but one of one of my bucket list things before I leave, I want to. Um, my daughter plays guitar. I told her, I want you to teach me how to play guitar because I want to do one live show. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, one live cover band show somewhere, even if there's like six people watching, I want to do, uh, I want to do an MMA fight. So I'm going to try to get myself down into shape. And when these gyms open back up, get into a gym and, and, and start, uh, doing that again. And then, uh, so those are two things I want to get done. So I'm drinking the diet Mountain Dew so that I don't pack on a, an extra thousand calories a day trying to quench my thirst i gotcha i gotcha so after rich does his mma fight everybody i'm gonna need a new horse racing handicapper so well, just that's because i'm gonna there. be i'm gonna be in jail for the abuse i put out again oh is that it okay 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 well you get one phone call a week or something right yeah you can call collect i actually think i'll do all right man i was a division one wrestler so i still have a lot of that in me yeah I, uh, you know, when I, when I have to use it and unfortunately, sometimes you have to, I was not too long ago at a sun soccer game where a melee broke out and, uh, I had to, um, extract a few people from the pile and it, it, it went a lot better than I thought it would. Mm, okay. Well, good to know, Rich. Good to know. I'm, well, I'm going to watch Rocky Balboa tonight. I think just, yeah, it'd be inspired. I mean, I'm going to go to Philly and run up those steps. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, Rich is, uh, we got his bucket list. We got his stock picks and we got his horse racing picks. I don't think there's anything else. We can there can't get. be anything else to cover. No, that's, no. It. that's it. All right, Rich, I guess next week it's going to be a big one. So we'll talk to you then. Yeah. We'll have a lot on store for you next week for sure. Arch. All right, man. You take Good care. Good luck at the races, everybody. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owner-operators of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.